Putters, how many do you have? Maybe one, two, or 25? Each one, just a little piece of your personality. And maybe they have some type of emotions or persona. Well, you're not alone. After all, we use a putter more than any other club during a round of golf. And it's something that we often attach a lot of emotion and memories to. We remember the iconic putters, Scotty Cameron that Tiger used in his prime to hold all of those seemingly impossible putts. Phil Mickelson jumping in the air after his master's victory with that blade-style putter that he's used so many times. And some of those most memorable and used designs that just stand out. The two ball is an interesting story, how it kind of came about. I think the simplicity of it, the fact that it was different, it was visible on TV, and it worked. And not only did it work for average golfers, which initially we, we designed it to be a putter for beginner golfers, you know, we had tour pros right out of the gate winning with it. I think it was the simplicity and the fact that it worked and it worked for everybody. That is one of our guests for today's show. His name is Austy Rollinson. Austy Rollinson, chief designer for Odyssey. Today, we're diving into everything putters. From how they're designed. I believe in the basic premise that my job as a fitter or a putter maker is to make what a person sees real and what they feel to be real. That's the voice of another guest you're going to hear from today and in our episode on wedges, David Adele. Hi, this is David Adele. I'm the founder of Edele Golf. To how putters are made. So when you make an investment cast putter, you have to make a tool in order to inject a wax representation of the putter. And then that wax piece is put on what we call a tree, which is... uh, you know, a center column, they attach all these waxes to it. And some of the technical features that make a big difference so you can have a little more information on your next putter purchase. You're listening to the Golf Science Lab. We're bringing to light research and concepts you might not have heard before so you can perform better on the golf course. Hey, I'm your host, Cordy Walker. Thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to season three of the Golf Science Lab, looking at club technology, everything from how does a driver actually work? What is a golf shaft? And today, what do you need to know about putters? If you enjoy this episode, I definitely recommend joining our Golf Science Lab Insider Group. You can join thousands of other insiders and join the Golf Science Lab mission to focus on what works based on science versus myths and misguided best practices. Check it out at golfsciencelab.com slash insider. So how do you design a putter? Well, there are a lot of paths, to be honest, and I was fascinated by the story of the two-ball putter from Odyssey. Uh, And I wouldn't say it's a simple or or clear path by any means, but revolutionary when it was released to the public and really changed a lot of beliefs about what putters could be and look like. The two-ball is an interesting story, how it kind of came about. There was a designer who was on my team that had the idea before he actually came to Odyssey, and he had done some, after reading the Dave Pell's book, Dave Pell's had his three-ball putter. Thought it was a cool idea, but that one was ruled not conforming, and so he went about designing a, a putter with discs instead of balls, and he had made a couple crude prototypes in his uh, the industrial design firm he worked for. And then when he was hired at Odyssey, uh, he, kept, he kept kind of toying around with it, and it was probably six years of him messing around with it before we actually came up with the final design. It was like something like 34 iterations. 
And so it was a long journey of, of getting to the, the final design with a lot of input from Dick Helmstetter, who was the head of design here and head of R&D and, and uh, inventor of the Big Bertha and Roger Cleveland and myself and a bunch of others to kind of come up with the final two ball. You know, and, we, and when we came out with it, you know, the, the thing that was unique about it, of course, was the discs and, and the size of it. We were really contemplating whether to make it as large as it was because, you know, people weren't used to looking at that. And for, to us, it looked kind of foreign doing it. And, you know, we had some that had like one and a half balls on it just to get to the right size. But, you know, uh, Dick Helmsetter asked the question, he's like, well, which works better, one and a half or two balls? And he said, well, two balls works better. He goes, well, let's do that. You know, and I think the reason it works is because it's, the idea is very simple. Someone could pick it up and look at it and clearly understand without anybody telling them anything, how it works, you know, and when you're, you know, an infant, you start lining things up in a row, lining your blocks or lining your balls up in a row. And this is the same principle. So it's a principle that everybody understood immediately what it's for. Um, we've made some putters too that have you know more complicated alignment features that take some explanation and you may tend to lose people in that. Alignment is just critical with putters. Austin mentioned the simplicity of the two ball and how that style of alignment really resonated with a lot of people. We'll hear a bit later on technically why aim and alignment is so critical, but each aspect of a putter has an impact on how we believe we're aligning. David Adele shared with me that according to some testing he's done with a fantastic putting coach, David Orr, 3% of people can aim properly in terms of lateral and vertical aim. And the alignment on the putter and the design aspects of the putter really impact that aim and how we set up and align. There's attributes to that putter that make a person believe that it looks open. You know, in reality, it's open to their when, when it's put up square and then they go okay to make it look square to me it it now it looks square to me but now it's aiming left or vice versa so so there's attributes to putters that you know that when you're when you're looking at a putter from an alignment standpoint where the player puts his attention gives it a perception of either open or closed so what i found in my experience is is moving attention backward on a putter, i.e. like the you know, an answer style putter where the back is parallel to the face, lines, offset moves uh, perception back. Those when you do that the putter tends to look open. And uh especially when they you know, when you laser test them, they put the putter down, it looks you know, they're aiming it at the target and they're going, That's square, I see that square, but to my mind's eye that looks wide open. When I move attention forward, like mallets, you know, the curve of a mallet says, okay, the back is un- undefinable as an alignment surface, so my attention shifts to the front of the putter. Lines put on the top of the, uh, of the top line. The shafts either being progressed backwards or on the same line as the face. Moves attention forward. When the tension moves forward, the putter tends to look closed. So we've mentioned the size of a putter a couple times now, primarily as a way to change alignment. Bigger putters having more room to change the lines or discs like the two ball. And you've probably grabbed a typical answer style putter before and then a large mallet. And it obviously looks and feels way different, but here's why. Yeah, I mean, I think the lar- you know, just like drivers, the larger it, it gets, the more inertia it's gonna have. And also when, when they start getting larger, 
um, you're able to put more bold alignment lines on it. Like you can't fit a two ball on a small putter. It has to be somewhat large to get those two discs to fit on it. And so that's, that's one thing where mallet putters lend themselves well to have kind of bold alignment lines on it going from face pretty far back. Whereas the, the smaller kind of blade style putters, which are thinner face to back, those are harder to get those really bold alignment lines on it. And that, you know, got us thinking of, you know, we it, eventually we got there and put bold alignments lines on blades in our versa line of putters. But that's the main difference you know, is inertia. But um, it's not as as simple as that because you could have some mallet putters that are lower inertia than some blade putters, just how they're designed. Inertia. Oh, boy. Here we go into some tech terminology. And hang with us, though, because it's important to understand these concepts. Moment of inertia is where you position that the weight of the putter in relation to that center of gravity. So the further you can get weight concentrated away from that center of gravity, the higher the moment of inertia is going to be. And it's really important in putters making sure that the axis that it rotates around, if you hit it off center, the higher the inertia is, the less it's going to want to twist because you've gotten weight positioned outside basically of where you're impacting the face so it'll it'll be harder to twist if the inertia is higher and if the weight's further away from the center of gravity so that's why you see on it's easier to say on driver heads whereas they get larger they're basically shells and that weight is getting concentrated away from the center of the driver and that inertia is going to be higher so if you hit it off center it's going to twist less you're going to have less speed reduction and it's going to go straighter so moment of inertia helps miss hits. If you hit it a little on the toe or the heel with a high MOI putter, you're going to see the ball going somewhere close to the same distance as if it was hit on the sweet spot. But that isn't necessarily the biggest factor to focus on with the putter. Where that face is pointing is gonna be more important than if you hit it off center a little bit and you lose a little ball speed because of that. And so, Probably, I always tell people, get something that you really like the look of, you're comfortable with, you can align very consistently with. And then if you have a problem with distance control, you may want to look at something that has a, a, a little bit of forgiveness in it. One other term that you heard Austin mention while talking about inertia was center of gravity. The center of gravity of any body is, you know, where the gravity will tend to act on that. So, you know, you can look at it as balance point as well. You know, if you have a, a, a ruler and you balance it on your finger, where it balances on your finger, that's where the center of gravity is. So it's the place where gravity tends to act on that whole body. And so it's also the part if you, for example, you take a hammer and throw it up in the air and it's twisting up in the air. The point that it's rotating around, that's, that's the center of gravity of it. And so if you think about it in terms of you know, a driver, it's the point in which if you hit it off center of that center of gravity, it's the point about at which it's going to twist. And so that's kind of the center of gravity. And we, we like to tune that location so that it's in, you know, on a putter, it's in 
the center of the face so that when you hit it in the center of the face, you're right in line with that center of gravity so you don't get any twisting about it. So if you hit it off center, you know, if you hit it towards the toe of the, and the center of gravity is in the center, when you hit it on the toe, it's going to want to twist about the center of gravity so the toe is going to open. And so you want to put that in the center of the face and then moving it up or down or back will help to, you want to, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. You want to, if you have it low, if you tend to hit the, the ball above the center of gravity, it'll twist, the putter will twist in a way that will help promote forward roll. And so we do things like that, tune the center of gravity to make sure it's in the center of the face and put it in places where it'll help put the best roll on the ball. All right. Hopefully you've made it through the technical parts here and you're still with us. After this quick break, we're going to hear a really interesting story about how they developed the white hot insert over at Odyssey and then what you need to know about getting fitted for a putter with David Adele. The last time you probably listened to the Golf Science Lab was just before our Unlocking Performance Virtual Summit. And for those of you that didn't attend, it was fantastic. We heard some comments like, when they say golf is mental, no one says, okay, what does that mean? How do I deal with that? You finally provided the answers. And from a coach, I highly recommend the Unlocking Performance Summit. The concepts have been practical to use with two of my college players who recently had their best finishes in the Northern and Cardinal Am. And you can actually still dive into these incredible sessions and get a better grip on performance and the mental game. You can learn more and check out a preview of a session over at unlockingperformancesummit.com. There's a few different reasons why we have putter inserts. Um, kind of a history of, of Odyssey and what got us into the, the insert aspect of it is that was the golf ball. And so... Um, around when Odyssey was being, was coming about in the mid nineties, golf ball was going, the golf ball was going through a change. So you had either your tour tour ball was your balotic covered wound liquid core golf ball and your, then you had your hard top flight pinnacle style golf ball is what average players used, um, that gave you more distance. And then starting around kind of the late 90s, the really started on the, the senior tour, now champions tour, as they started using some of these solid core balls that companies like Top Flight were developing to give them a little more distance. And that's where we saw the first success of the softer faced inserts in our dual force putters because those players were looking for the feel that they had with the blotta on the metal face with these new firmer solid core golf balls. And so we put the softer urethane material on the face and that matched up pretty well with these firmer balls to give them that same feel that they were used to. And where we really saw the explosion in our inserts was around 19... 1998, 1999, 2000 is when the Titleist Bellata ball went away and their professional ball came out. Our Rule 35 golf ball came out. You had the Maxfly Revolution golf ball come out. You know, all solid core, firmer golf balls. And that was when we came out with our white hot insert, which was basically the, the cover of our Rule 35 golf ball in the face of a putter. 
So both of them would have the same feel. And that's where we really saw in our business, not, we were able to expand off of the Champions Tour onto the PGA Tour because the golf ball changed. And so what players I think were looking for was that soft feel that they were used to when they were younger with Steele with Bellata in the new modern putter golf ball combination. And so that's a long story to say feel is one reason why they like inserts. To be able to get match a feel between a golf ball and a putter to give the sound that they want to hear. And most of what they feel and feel is the sound of it off the face. And also the ball speed and making sure that this, the sound and the speed match up in their mind to what they want to see. The other aspect that, that inserts gives us is that the urethane is a lot lighter material. And so if you replace most of the face of the putter and you know a little less than a quarter inch deep in the face of the putter with a lighter material you can take weight and move it elsewhere to tune center of gravity tune moment of inertia as you see fit so that's another aspect of the insert it enables us to move weight around to make the putter roll better and more forgiving an insert can change a lot. Osti listed off feel, ball speed, sound, weighting, thus impacting center of gravity and inertia. Big impact on a putter and what you might experience using it. And the white hot insert is probably one that we've all used at some point. Here's specifically how it began. Traditionally, with kind of urethane type materials, as you get softer, the ball speed goes down or the resiliency goes down. And in order to make it faster, you have to make it firmer. And when we came up with a white hot material on the Rule 35 golf ball was the cover, it was a really unique material in that it gave you, it was a soft material, but still gave you good, it had really good resiliency. And that was kind of the key to that golf ball is having that material on its cover to give you good ball speed and a good soft feel. And it was asked Mr. Calloway when he heard about the material, said that would be a great material to put in a face of a putter. And so that's what we did. We listened to him. And it is, it's a unique material that you get the really good ball speed. And it's up to where uh, steel is in terms of the, the speed off the face. And it's stiff enough where it gives you a good, a good click to it, a good sound to it, but then soft at the same time to have good feelings that you get in, in your hands. So it's a great, unique material. It's an incredible story about the development of technology that a lot of people have used. I know I have. Now I wanna transition a bit into fitting. How do we manage all of these variables that we've heard about and all of these options out there? David Adele shares his concept that he's developed with Adele Golf and their putter fitting. You know, a putter is 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 basically if you break it down, it's a it's a it's a loft, it's a head shape, it's a line combination, it's it's a hosel, it's a hosel offset, it's a lie angle, it's you know, it's a length, it's and what are those attributes? How do, when you put them all together, what do they basically constitute? in terms of value to that player. So unless you evaluate each one of those variables independently on its own to the value of the other variations, you're really not building the correct putter. So, you know, my fitting systems have always basically been a process of being able to evaluate what hosel I aim the best. Now, do I aim it perfect maybe right off the bat? No. Then I combine it to the head shape. What head shape do I aim the best? 
What line combination, if, if indeed I need a line? Sometimes you don't need a line. What's, you know, the angle contributes to that. The loft contributes to the perception of aim. Length changes, you know, the plane that the putter and the eyes work back and forth to the target. So shorter putters steep in the eye plane, longer putters flat in the eye plane. And then you go into the weighting variables. How do I weight this putter? Is it head weight or is it internal weight? Is it, you know, counterweight or a combination thereof? What type of stroke do I have? Am I a radial stroke pattern or a linear type stroke pattern? You know, weight changes time in a radial player and a linear thruster, it's going to change pressure. So, you know, how do I constitute the weight in that putter for that particular person and evaluate why is that weight good or why is it not good? Here's a great story illustrating how that looks when actually working with a player. When I made, you know, J.B. Holmes a putter, I, I fit him into a couple different variations. And so you look at variables within a putter and you say, okay, some variables are more right-aiming variables and other variables are more left-aiming variables and some are neutral. And you can configure a putter in many different ways that get the same result. You know, because you're adding, you might have to put more lines on a mallet to make neutralize the effect of the mallet, right, or offset. So there's values in offset and head shape and lines that you can you can manipulate to kind of get the same basic response. Now, there's one that's probably purer and faster and easier and, and more simple, and obviously the got milk kind of concept's better than, you know, some big extraneous ad that's got all kinds of verbiage on it so what you know I, I'm, I'm always a, you know less is more so the, the best putter is the simplest one that gets the job done and that is a great place to end the show if you're interested in learning about the processes of how putters are made casting versus milled etc we put the part of the conversation with Osti Rollinson over in our golf science lab insiders portal if you've not joined the exclusive group make sure to do so golfsciencelab.com slash insider Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate Ossie Rollinson taking the time to share. You can find him on Twitter at Ostie Odyssey. Thank you to the guys at Callaway for setting this up. Make sure to check out what Odyssey putters are doing over at odysseygolf.com. I have to admit, I spent about an hour browsing through all the models and reading about all the different concepts they have doing research for this. Really cool stuff. Another big, big thank you to David Adele and the folks at Adele Golf for lining this up. You'll hear more from David in our episode on wedges, if you want to find a fitter and go through that process that David talked about, head over to adelgolf.com and you'll see the find a fitter option in the menu. I was looking through it and they have them in most countries and it looks like all the states in the U.S. Definitely recommend that as well. This episode was hosted and written by me, Cordy Walker. You can follow me on Twitter at Cordy Walker. It was edited and mixed and produced by Just Hit Published Productions. Music by a silent partner, Otis McDonald and Jazar. We'll see you all next time on the Golf Science Lab.